So, uh, prayer. What do you think about prayer? Well, we all do it to some degree. I mean, everybody throws up the, well, since we're in football uh, season, the Hail Mary prayer, you know, just kind of like, maybe that's how you came to God. Uh, if you're out there, you know, sh show yourself. Many people have been dramatically, I think back about uh, Laura and I early in our marriage, and, and God showed himself to her specifically. You know, I had the privilege to meet Laura, and she claimed not to believe in God at all and, and talked to her about Jesus, and I wasn't very far along on my journey anyway. And then I baptized her in a bathtub, and, uh, and we got married. All that happened within six months, and that was 30, 30 years ago. And three kids and grandson and all that later, you know, that's awesome. But he showed himself, and that was maybe in somewhat a response to, you know, God, if you're out there. And so, but as you mature in Jesus, you want to be able to pray more effectively, don't you? I mean, you want to say, well, how would I pray? What do you say? And I think what we're about to see is the disciples really were just going, we see him going away to the mountain sometimes for hours, and he doesn't come back, or he's on the mountain all night, or he goes out somewhere in a lonely place, and he's praying. And what's going on in their mind? What is he saying? How can you talk that long? What is going on between Jesus and, you know, the God of our forefathers? Uh, he's claiming that he, he's his father. I mean, he's, he's using language like that. What is he saying? And so you can see this. Now, we're going to look in the Lukean account, obviously, because that's where we are. But there's also a Matthew account, Matthew 6, that give us, gives us Jesus' response to this. We're going to be in a shorter version of that. Now, some theologians don't really know. Was it just one teaching or was it a, multiple, a multiplicity of teachings? I'm sure it was, you know, Jesus didn't just say some of these things one time. He was going around teaching, preaching about the kingdom of God, and much of that is not chronicled. This is kind of a shorter version of the Lord's Prayer, but the essence is still there. I'm going to kind of really look into the deeper account. I did a very deep study on this. We did in the early stages of Church at the Red Door. You can always go back and look in the archives, if you can ever find it. But uh, we did multiple weeks on the Lord's Prayer. But uh, we're going to try to take a 20,000-foot view of that. I'll revisit a little bit of that this morning, but not in its, in its fullness. So let's start reading Luke chapter 11, verse 1. As you're turning in your Bibles, let me just uh, offer a Hail Mary prayer to the Lord. Maybe he'll be with us this morning. Lord Jesus, we ask that you Guide us, send your spirit now to show us things that we didn't know when we walked in here, Lord. Shake us from our spiritual traditions, shake us from our apathy, shake us from uh, living in a very materialistic, you know, us-centered world, Lord. We've already entered into your courts and uh, with praise and thanksgiving this morning, and we've gone through your gates. We're, we know we're in your presence now, and we're asking you to speak to us Help us pray more effectively. Help us pray more effectively. Lord, we want to be fruitful people in your kingdom. We don't want to just be innocent bystanders that just sit in pews and think about you for an hour a week. Lord, we want to be engaged with you really 24-7, even in dreams and thoughtfulness and, and just daily contemplation, Lord, we always want to feel connected with you. A little bit like the Apostle Paul, Lord, we're asking that we would pray without ceasing in accordance with what he said. How does that happen? What does that look like? And what, is there, what should our prayer life look like? Help us in this this morning, Jesus. Amen. 
Luke chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to read the whole thing, and I'll give you a few thoughts as we go along here. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, and by the way, contextually, this seems different than the Matthew account, so I think he taught on this at various points. He just didn't say the whole thing, or at least it's not captured here. Lord teaches to pray, just as John taught his disciples, John the Baptist, obviously, and he said to them, when you pray, say this. Okay, so here we go. You ready? Uh, notice, by the way, when Jesus was praying, they were observing Jesus. It's impactful when you see other people with a good prayer life or with an effective prayer life. When I see that, when I observe that, I'm impacted. They were impacted by Jesus. By the way, you want to impact your kids? You want to impact your grandkids? You want to impact? Let them see you pray, not just at the dinner table. I'll never forget, I met a guy once and he said he walked in on his father and his father was down on his knees in his bedroom. Nobody knew. And it affected him in a very profound way. Are you just kind of an occasional public prayer or are people aware that you, in fact, are on your knees in various places? They saw Jesus and it impacted them. But here's what he told them to say. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. And for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, again, a very shortened version of, well, why don't we say it together? You ready? Let's, many of you know it. Let's say the longer Matthew 6 account. You ready? Okay. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one because you are the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory. That's a long time, forever. Lord, in other words, in the end, you win. Everything, the, you want to talk, I hear this all the time. It's kind of a, a thing you hear out in culture. What's the ultimate reality, you know? What is it? Jesus is the ultimate reality. The creator of the universe is the ultimate reality. We find our identity in him. We find our purpose in him. We find our very reason for being created in him. And anything apart from that, when we try to set our own course, I, you know, be, create an identity for ourselves, create a way to live outside of his directives is a false reality that will not last forever and ever. You cannot say that and then try to create your own reality. What you're saying is you are the ultimate reality. So then he goes on, and then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says, friend, Uh, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, Get out of here, man. Don't bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot give you up, and I can't get up and give you anything. In other words, give me a break. Are you serious? What are you doing? It's, well, they didn't have watches back then, but you know, you get the point. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is. His friend, yet because of his persistence, 
he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Now, that is an odd, odd parable Jesus tells here. It sounds like God's the one having to, oh, are you praying to me? Do you not know what time it is? I mean, I have been running the universe all day long, and now you come to me with this petty little something or other. I mean, that's the first kind of reaction to this. But it's really not the point of the parable at all, and we'll talk about that in a second. And then lastly, verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it's going to be open. Now, again, many of you say, well, you know, I've been praying... I was thinking this morning, I, I've been praying for a particular family in Europe for multiple decades with seemingly very little movement. And sometimes I just, all right, and I, can I, I recall this all the time. Some of you have the same thing. You've been praying for things forever, and some of you have prayed for healings or something, and then someone's died. And you say, well, I just don't know if you can believe that. We'll talk about that a little bit more as well. I say to you, ask. Now, verse 11. Now, suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. Will he give him a snake instead of a fish? Will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, again, Jesus is always putting us in our place. No man is good. We have to get over this cultural positioning of, well, they're so good. People struggle to even come here on a Sunday morning because they say, well, they teach that some people go to heaven and some people go to hell. And I know wonderful, wonderfully good people who, you know, a good God could not possibly send away from his presence. And they struggle with that. Just to let you know, as we go along in the text, this is, again, Jesus making the point that and Paul would make it again in Romans 3. No one's good, not even one. Isaiah saw this in Isaiah 64. Even their good deeds are like filthy rags before God. At our core, we need a transformation. And not just an intention to be better, but we need a new heart and we need a new spirit, which is the purpose for which Jesus went to the cross. Okay? So I just point that out to you. If you being evil, I mean, these are his disciples. These are not, they've left everything to follow him. They're trying to get in and understand. Lord, teach us to pray because we know we're on your team. If you being evil, no. I mean, come on, is that, that doesn't seem like much encouragement. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the, Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Okay, you ready? So I don't normally do this. I, I don't know, maybe it's an overreaction to hearing you know sermons early on in my walk with the Lord where it seemed like pastors have to always do five things that start with the letter A and three things that start with the letter E and they have an outline and all that. And I said, I just not the way I roll, but somehow these just emerged and they all just fell perfectly into place. It wasn't me searching for them. So there are three things that I observe from this passage about prayer. Okay? First, there is a pattern in the Lord's Prayer. If you don't understand the Lord's Prayer as a pattern, you'll just recite these things and say, I'm doing exactly what Jesus told me to do, which is to say these words. And then you say, okay, I'm, that didn't take me long. I don't, know how, I don't know why Jesus was up on the mountain all night. I mean, we just did it in, you know, less than a minute. Where all the, how do you fill stuff in? It's a pattern. 
We've talked about that, but I'll revisit that briefly this morning. It's a pattern. Number two, there must be persistence in prayer. Okay, so if you want to know how to pray, you need a pattern and you need to be persistent, even in the face of, well, circumstances that don't seem possible to overcome. What does the Bible say? With man, this is impossible. With God, this is, well, well, with God, all things are possible. Isaiah asks the rhetorical question, is God's arm too short to save? I mean, we see it over and over. I mean, the Bible is very clear. God can do the impossible. We must be persistent. And I'm going to tell you why I think that is so important. And then lastly, there is a promise, a pattern. There must be persistence. And there is a promise. Now, oftentimes we think the promise is we get anything we want. James was pretty clear. Sometimes your prayers are not answered, he says, because, well, because you ask for selfish motives, desiring to fulfill your own lusts or your own desires. And we know prayer in complicity with the promise always leads to an answered prayer, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, if you didn't catch all that, let's try to unpack that just a little bit. Are you ready? Have you got it? Can you repeat those? Pattern, persistence, and there is a promise. There is a promise in prayer, always. So what's the general pattern? Well, first of all, it's God-directed. Our Father, who, and now we, again, we understand, I, I've, you hear me say this, I, I cannot I think in terms, I, I don't know about you, I know I say this, but for those who are new or maybe watching for the first time, I, I just, I, I can't even begin to get anything wrapped around the idea that this universe is just, it's mind-boggling, mind-boggling. Let me say it again, six trillion miles, light, light travels six trillion miles in one year and to get across our universe it would take 83 million years to get it for light to travel across our universe i mean that's absurd can you even fathom i mean i've got a in a little over a week we'll go to the phoenix open you know the big 500,000 things and i'll interview uh, some tour players and we'll have several thousand people and i'm already dreading driving three and a half hours to get to phoenix three and a half hour drive six trillion Six trillion miles for light to travel in a year. Wow. It's God-directed. You don't know who you're dealing with. Our Father who not is not, not only just in the heavens, but created the heavens. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Meaning, you're so holy. You're so other than Lee. You're so not like us in the sense that you're perfect and you're loving and you're, you're the creator and your power. Why I try to run my own kingdom, Lord? It, just praying that should immediately, as a pattern, begin to bring sanity to the way you're thinking about life. We live in a place here in the Coachella Valley, Palm Springs, whatever, however you want to say it, and Indian Wells and different places like this where some of the most powerful, wealthy famous people exist and sometimes you can get caught up in all the hoopla and yet they're just created beings that are here for a day and then they're gone realize who you're dealing with hallowed be your name 
Thy kingdom come. Lord, I want your kingdom to come in every area of my life. You could spend an hour praying that. This is the majority. I'll tell you right now, the majority of my prayer time is spent right here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is already being done today in heaven. What would that include? Lord, I, I'm asking, what is the kingdom coming? It's not, it is a future reality. There is a prayer that Jesus will come back and set up everything and there will be no more tears and all the nations will be subdued and we'll have a new heavens and a new earth. That's part of this prayer, but it's only a part and it's also the kingdom now. How does the rule and reign of God, his kingdom, come into my realm today? And then the realm of others around me. You know, we're talking about planning this church and this and the specificity of the, the property. And, and, and again, let me just sidebar. There's some property things that we're going through, and we're going to give you more of that. We're not trying to hold anything back. It's just changing and evolving, and we say one thing, and then the next time it's different, and we get up and down. We're just, we'll have a place on the website where you can go and see the calendar of events, and, and we're making some progress here. We're confident that we're going to get this land. But the purpose is, that's not just the kingdom, but that will be a place where people can come and the rule and the reign of God can begin in their life and the kingdom would expand. So you might just be praying that we'd be able to have somewhere where we could meet on a consistent basis and grow as a community. So, And in, in that way, to those that would have the rule and the reign of God in their life, the kingdom would be growing and expanding. Think how many things you could pray. You could pray about your rooted group. You could pray about your neighbor. You could pray about your kids. You could pray about your... If you live at a club, Lord, help me reach behind the walls of these clubs and have an impact for you that people could fall in love with you. I mean, you see, you could just go on forever and then you would, the obstacles that may be in your way from accomplishing, establishing his kingdom. And then you could pray that. You could be lost in this part of the pattern for a very extended piece. I, there's rare, rarely a time where I, I sit down to intentionally say, now I'm praying. I pray throughout the day. Lord, help me here. I, I, give me the words to say to this person. And, it, and I, don't, I don't start each one with the pattern. But when I'm intentional about a prayer time, I always use the pattern. I never don't use the pattern. And when do I most often pray? For me, I most often pray in the morning. I, I'm a morning person. I get up early. I'm most vibrant. Uh, 90% of my work gets done in the three hours, the first three hours of the day. I'm just telling, and after that, I just kind of float sometimes. And if, so if you have a late afternoon meeting with me, sometimes I... I may not appear totally engaged. I just, I'm a morning person. I'm not a night person, Laura will tell you. She tells me stories that I guess they're true where I'll start a conversation and, I, and we're lying there in bed and I'll start a conversation and I'll say, she'll say, as an example, maybe what did you do today? And I'll say, well, we, you know, I was up at the reserve and I, I was talking to him about Jesus and... Uh, she said, you, you go to sleep in the middle of more sentences. You can talk to her about it. I mean, she tells me I do this. And so you can imagine me trying to pray at that time of night. I'd be, you know, there's no way. I mean, I, mean, I can, Lord Jesus, help me, help me sleep. And I think, you know, right? But, but in the morning, I, 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 the, the pattern is very usable for me, very usable. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. That is your physical provision, no question. But I think even much more important than our physical provision, and certainly that's important that we need to be well taken care of, but it's our spiritual nourishment. I, there's rarely a time that I will pray, not pray, before I come into you on a Sunday or if I'm teaching you Monday through Friday or whatever, 
and all the groups and this and that, that I won't say, Lord, I need the daily bread from you to then transfer to your people. Give me this day your daily bread so that I can turn around and multiply that bread, multiply those loaves and give it out to to your precious people who want to hear from you today. Now, of course, you can do that on your own. You can read the Bible and get your daily bread. It's not all for me, but I pray, like right now, you're being fed, whether you're aware of it or not, you're being fed bread, and that comes from his provision of daily bread to me or whoever else might be up at this pulpit. Give us this day our, our daily bread, and Lord... Forgive us our trespasses. I I just wrote down here, Lord, please expose the hurtful things in me that hamper me in advancing your kingdom on earth. And then just hear my heartfelt cries for repentance. This is also just, Lord, forgive me my sins as we forgive those who sin, sin against us or trespass. I mean... It's not that. It's, Lord, expose what is harmful in me. It, this could be, again, this could be 20, 30 minutes right here. All of a sudden, you say, well, I can't pray. As a pattern, this could just explode. The Lord could show you something in your character and say, why don't I have friends? Well, And, you, and, he, and the Lord says, well, go ask your wife. You know, why, why, is my, why do my businesses keep failing? Well, go, go ask some of your employees how they perceive you. I mean, it could be remember, you, you hear me say this all the time as we, as we relate to prayer. It's just not what we're saying to God or asking or petitioning. It's part of that, but it's also, it's exploratory. It's, it's Lord, it's inquiry. It's show me, teach me, speak to me. That's, all, that's, a, that's the biggest part of prayer. And this part is show me those things that are hurtful in me that would in any way hinder your kingdom and then allow me to then ask your forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then, of course, don't lead us into temptation. Now, God never is in the business of leading you into temptation. It's really the the way you view that is really, Lord, just keep me on the road. Don't let me fall by the wayside. Protect me from the evil one. Keep me out of the grasp of his evil force. He can't maybe take my salvation, Lord, but he can make me unfruitful. He can make me live an entire life. And I get to the end of it and say, what did I really do for the kingdom? And maybe it wasn't that much for his glory and to make him famous. And, you know, I, I, I was disconnected from a community. I was, I, was, I was not a prayerful person. I was afraid to share my testimony. I was a, Lord, please, Lord, just protect me from his evil devices. I want to be effective and fruitful in the kingdom. I want to do that. Lord Jesus, amen. Why? Because you are the kingdom, the glory and power and the, the majesty you're the creator. Every, every sense of reality will take its full end in you. Amen. What a beautiful prayer. What a beautiful pattern. Now about persistence. This is, again, not about God's reluctance to answer your prayer. Not at all. In fact, God loves your devotion and your commitment and he loves your questions, and he loves... And what's happening when you're persistent in doing that, even when you don't feel like you're getting an answer? Relationship. Have you ever had, oh, Michelle, she's my best friend. Maybe one of you ladies. Michelle's my best friend. Well, 
Usually that's followed by what? Well, we met back in high school. We spend the night. We go, go on vacations with each other's families. And we went to college together. We pledged the same sorority. We got out of the sorority. We've kept in contact. And our, and our, our husbands, they're not best friends, but they get along enough to where we can go on vacations together. I mean, you would fill it in with something like that, wouldn't you? I mean, this is my best friend. It's relational. But Michelle's my best friend. And then without anything to follow, well, if you... How often do you see her? I never see her. I barely met her. She's my best friend, though. It's just odd, isn't it? Persistence engages us with the Creator. Again, prayer is not us dictating to God how the universe should be run. It's exploring His heart for our activities in the earth today and in sometimes in us not receiving the immediacy to prayer that we feel we should we build relationship. It forces us to pray. I, I pray oftentimes. I think about how many hours I've spent in prayer for what I alluded to earlier. And through that, it's still not been answered. But my, in my persistence, I've sure grown accustomed to both speaking to God and hearing what he tells me about reality. Persistence is radically important for ways. And I'm sure there are so many ways that I can't even conceive. And then finally, there's the ultimate promise in prayer. And I want to talk to you most about this this morning before we close. And that is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Why did Jesus, in his teaching about prayer, talk, give immediately the parable there and about persistence and then immediately began to talk about the promise of the Holy Spirit? I'll give you my take on it. Are you ready? Wake up your neighbor, seventh inning stretch. Here we go. Here we go. You ready? The ultimate promise in prayer. The Holy Spirit makes the, all the entire portions of the prayer efficacious, possible, powerful. It's, that, it's the dove. He, he comes into your life, the fire, the, the oil. He, he comes in and makes each part viable, workable. It's the Spirit. First of all, how about just the hallowed be thy name part? Well, he gives us the very capacity. The Spirit gives us the capacity to even understand the holiness of God. It's not just his grandeur, but how, again, that we're part of the evil forces that have set most of our life against his purposes. Then we become into his kingdom, and then it takes a while to get our grave clothes off, like Lazarus. It just takes a while to get the stench off, if you will, of our former, our former activities that were against his plans for our life. John chapter 16, again, Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit. This is all in the context of trying to help us understand how hallowed his name is, how grand and other thanly he is. It shakes us from our apathy and grabs our attention. John 16, verse 7, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, won't come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. <clears throat> and he, when he comes, he will do what? He'll convict the whole world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and in the life of all those. I, the Holy Spirit's at work on everybody. I, you've heard me say this many times, but I will tell you, always have an ally. A, a wayward child, you have an ally there, the Spirit. Lord, pour out the Spirit. Put so much pressure on that person to bring them to a place of sanity that they recognize your holiness. How? By convicting them 
of their sins, what we see, convicting them of your righteousness. Do the work. Holy Spirit, do the work. Sin. And what did Jesus promise? If you ask for an egg, if a son asks for an egg, was he going to give you a scorpion? No. If you ask for the Spirit, he's going to give you the Spirit. If you ask for the Spirit, one of the things you must do, I beg you, for, don't make this a charismatic, non-charismatic thing. Lord, I need your Spirit today. Father, I'm asking you for an increased measure of your Spirit. Lord, I'm asking you for a Spirit to send. And you can, you can see, you can deploy the Spirit all the way across the globe, around to Europe, to, to Africa, to wherever you may be involved. Lord, release the Spirit to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment or in a particular person's life, and, 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 and they'll have it. But the first step is they'll recognize their own deficit and his hallowedness, his holiness, if you will. Number two, he helps us advance the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. How does the Holy Spirit do that? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He empowers us for the situation, for the moment that you find yourself in. Lord, I need help. They just asked me a question I can't answer. I don't even know. Sometimes you feel, yeah, right there, you're in a situation. All of a sudden, Jesus, the topic of Jesus comes up, and, and you're, you feel fear. You don't want to be rejected. You feel you don't know what to say. You need the power of the Spirit in that moment. The promise, the promise here is ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit, and he will give it to you. That's the promise every time he gives you the Spirit when you ask. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, Jesus said to his disciples, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth, even looking to California, even Indian Wells, even India, even Palm Desert, even Rancho Mirage, even you'll receive power. You need some help? It's coming. And Jesus already told us how we get... Well, first he had to go to the cross. He had to go to the right hand of the Father. He had to pour out the blood on the mercy seat. And the first sermon said, and then he, where did this fire on their heads come at Pentecost? It's the outpouring of the Spirit to do what? To empower you to go into a hurting world and speak with boldness and courage and things you couldn't possibly have understood that you even knew. Maybe you heard a sermon 20 years ago. And all of a sudden, you, didn't, you couldn't even remember the preacher's name or when you heard it. But then words are coming out of your mouth. And you're like, where did this come from? I just welcome to the power of the Spirit. In the moment, in the moment, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. He's going to provide all you need for your spiritual advance. Give us this day our daily bread, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Do you need wisdom in a hurting world that's marginalized you and made you look like a fool for believing and having faith and you just, you just don't know and you feel kind of like we've just been beaten up and ready to get your flashlights and beanie weenies and go hide in a cave until Jesus comes back? Please know you have the power of the Spirit. He will give you your spiritual nutrition that you need to do what he's called you to do. To another, the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. Do you need knowledge and a word of knowledge, just something that just comes flowing out of your mouth? And you say, How did I know? I didn't know that I knew that. But you put yourself in a position. This is prayer. This is how the Holy Spirit helps you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day. I mean, advancing his kingdom. Are you with me? To another, 
uh, faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing, by, to another the re- effecting of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, interpretations, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Number three, he searches our hearts and helps us in the cleaning up process. Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, who does not need the help of the Spirit to unpack all the stuff in my own heart? I am a mixed bag, you know? People get discouraged because they get around and they say, well, I heard, I heard that guy in the pulpit. I'll just speak from my own perspective. I can't speak for you. I heard that guy in the pulpit and he sounded pretty good. And, and, then, uh, and then they start exploring your life and... Your car's, you know, too dirty, he's not successful, too, too nice, he spends too much money for a car, he's got, his suits are too nice, they're too dirty, they're, you know, they're going to find a reason somehow, some way, and some of it has truth. I mean, we're all mixed, we're all in process, I'm in process, you know, only Randy Linticum, Pastor Linticum's not in process anymore, he's finally become like Jesus, but the rest of us are, the rest of us are in process, Come on, we, we serve one, it's the king. Now, that's no excuse for, you know, any kind of ridiculous behavior or anything like that. I just, I just want to be more like Jesus, but I, I, I have areas of my life that I would love to hone a little bit more. Who's going to help me in that process? To, and then once, once I've discovered it through the Spirit to then forgive me, when I say, oh, Lord, I didn't see that aspect of my personality. I'm a prideful person. I, I'm, a, I'm a vain person. I, I care much more about me. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me of my trespasses? Don't just say, forgive us our trespasses. Let the Holy Spirit identify what those might be so you can be different and empowered to be different and so you don't have to walk in that kind of stuff anymore. Titus 3, verse 4. When the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we've done in righteousness. No, 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 no. But according to his mercy, and how did he save us? By the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Washing and regeneration. What does regeneration mean? To generate again, to bring something back to new, something back to its intended purpose to become more like Jesus, the totally perfect one, the unblemished lamb. And who does that? The Spirit does that. Whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Okay? And then lastly, last couple things here. He knows we are weak and he works endlessly to keep us out of harm's way. Lord, lead us not into temptation. Romans 8, 26 in the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps our weaknesses. For we don't know how to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. The Spirit will even help you pray. He will even help you pray and keep you out of harm's way. He intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Did you catch that? The Holy Spirit actually helps us pray. He provides everything we need to pray. And then he makes up for our deficit when we struggle to pray. I can't pray. The Spirit will help you pray. You need some knowledge. You need some biblical training in prayer. You need to understand pattern. You need to understand that you're persistent. But even when you're giving it your best, ask for the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit will even make up for your shortcomings in prayer. Now, that's pretty good stuff. That is pretty good stuff. 
Do you continuously ask for the Holy Spirit? Do you continuously and with unrelentingly, Lord, send your spirit. I'm, do that today. We'll pray that before we finish here. Uh, Lord, I need your spirit. Please pour out your spirit. It's kind of scary because he shows you parts of yourself that need repentance, but it's exciting because he empowers you and he makes you courageous and bold in places that you've never been courageous nor bold. And by the way, I want to close with this. This, in some ways, the Holy Spirit is your answer to every petition. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. He can even give you insight into the future. And we know that because Jesus had insight into the future. He said, well, that was Jesus. Jesus said, everything you've seen me do, you'll do these things and greater things still will you do. That's his promise to his disciples. John 11, verse 4, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not the end to death. This is in the context of raising Lazarus, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. He knew that Jesus, that Lazarus, in fact, he waited several days. It was four days that, Je- that Lazarus would have been in the tomb. He waited, he waited, he waited, he waited till he was good and dead, but he knew it was for a purpose. How did he know that? How did Jesus know that? We say, but he's the son of God. He's God. I mean, it's totally different than us. Again, we underestimate the power we have through the Spirit. How did Jesus know that? By prayer. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell you that something's in your future, something that he's promising you will come to pass, and it's easier to be persistent. And sometimes the Holy Spirit may say, this is unto death. There's no reason to continue to pray that. This is my purpose. That person's time is up or your time is up. You know, this answers a lot of prayers because a lot of people go to the Bible and they say, well, it says ask anything you want and he'll give it to you. What's the ultimate promise in prayer? The Spirit. What might the Spirit give you insight into that your time is up, that you don't need to, you don't need to have the, another chemo? You don't need to have, maybe it's not, but I'm just saying. You know, I, I know you said very dangerous what I just said because please understand the context. But there are places in Scripture where Jesus knew through prayer about the future. And there was no reason for Peter to pray against his untimely death. But remember, in John chapter 21, specifically relating to Peter, I'm trying to communicate something. I hope you get it. Maybe I'm not doing a good job, but I want you to get this. John 21, verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, speaking to Peter, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will gird you. They're gonna, they're gonna, you're going to be arrested and bring you to a place that do, you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying what kind of death Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, but you just follow me. See, the Spirit is the ultimate promise that will always be given. And sometimes in prayer, you may sense I need to wipe off the dust of my feet and go to the next city. I need to, there may be something that you sense through the Spirit that you've been persistent and persistent and persistent and persistent and persistent, and now your answer is here. You've done what I asked you to do, now it's time to move on. Now you say, well, I don't know about that. That sounds, uh, I don't know, that almost sounds heretical to me. Again, I ask you the question, how did Jesus know this? How did Jesus know that Peter would one day be crucified upside down to glorify the Father? 
because it was revealed to him in prayer. Would it have done any good for him to continue to pray, oh Lord, please don't let Peter be crucified, or Peter, or one of the disciples, or something. Please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. Please let me die in my sleep. Please don't let me have to go to hospice. Please let me just have it a smooth thing. Sometimes there are just places in prayer you just know. You don't know how you know it. You just know somehow deep in prayer that Okay, it's set. The Lord has spoke. The Spirit's spoken to me. I don't need to pursue that course of action anymore. And let me tell you something. Some, in some strange way, that is a very comforting thought. Because sometimes we stay and we're persistent and we're persistent and persistent. There might be a place in the future where the Lord says, okay, my will is going to be done here. It's not in accordance with your particular prayer action, but through the Spirit, you just know that it's time to move on or it's time to go or it's time, and that will happen to us. I mean, if we always got what we wanted, nobody would ever die. I'd have, you'd have never lost a parent. You'd have never lost maybe a child. You'd have never lost anything. But sometimes the Lord's will, nevertheless not my will, but thy will be done. And the Spirit is always promised. And the Spirit might give you guidance even into the future where you know how to pray. That's what the Lord said, right? I'm going to teach you to pray effectively what to pray for, when to pray for it, and how to pray. And that's very comforting to me. So in the end, every petition, when guided by the Holy Spirit, will be answered. Let me say that again. Every petition, when guided by the Holy Spirit and informed by the Holy Spirit, will be answered. When you're praying in perfect complicity with the Spirit, you're in partnership with God and everything's answered. That's how you can make sense of Jesus saying, if you pray in my name, right? Anything you ask will be given to you. You pray for the Spirit. The Spirit then turns, gives you insight into the situation. And then maybe a prayer you were praying outside the complicity of the Holy Spirit, you no longer pray. And maybe you start praying something that you weren't praying because the Holy Spirit gives you direction in that, in that area. Does that make sense? The promise is the pouring of the Spirit. Not every single petition that you ask just because it comes into your mind. See, I wanted to play the PGA Tour for a long time. I'm going to be inter- interviewing at the Phoenix Open. I'll be interviewing, uh, I just found out he committed, Sam Burns, who's a young man, played at LSU's, won multiple times on the tour now, top 15 player in the world. Haven't ever had the privilege to meet him, but he'll be one of the guys on stage there when we do that outreach at the Phoenix Open. And uh, I wanted to be a Sam Burns. I wanted to be the guy interviewed, and I became the interviewee. Right, But I want to be the interview. And I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm asking you, help me get on the tour. Help me make some, I will glorify you. I will talk to you about, I will talk to people about Jesus. I will use my platform. I will, I even wrote somewhere, it was crazy, but I wrote something. I looked back at it in a, in a journal one time. It says, Lord, I will never keep more than $50,000 a year to glorify you. If I make $20 million, I'm glad he never put me on the tour. I cannot imagine trying to live on $50,000 with 7% inflation and all the other things and having to, just made, having made $20 million and, and living in a trailer park or something. I don't know. But our, uh, I mean, I made all kinds of crazy hair scheme ideas that God needed to answer, and I was persistent in those. But at some point, he poured the Holy Spirit into my heart and said, okay, it's time to quit praying that. I've got another path. It may not go down, Peter, like you want it to. I know you don't want to be girded and taken to a place that you don't want to go. But can I just tell you, it's the Father's will, and you'll glorify me in this way. 
I probably have reached more people not being on the tour than I reached. He answered my prayer in that way because I said, I just want to glorify you. But it was above and beyond my, my ability to conceive. So yes, there's mystery at times. Prayer's challenging. Sometimes you ask, you don't get. Sometimes he shows you parts of your heart that you don't like to see. But will you pray according to the pattern? Church of the Red Door, or if you're watching, pray according to the pattern. Be persistent, but always pray for the ultimate promise of the Spirit, which he will give you every time. He gives it without measure.